everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today, I'm joined by Bob Crutchfield, the CEO at Telehealth Solution. Bob, how are you today? Hey, Jared. Good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, uh, to talk today. I think we should kick things off. If you could give the audience a little bit about your background, and then we'll talk about your company. Yeah, I appreciate it. So I'm a lifetime healthcare guy. I uh, have never done anything uh, other than healthcare my entire career. Um, I've done everything from uh, startups on the provider services space when I was earlier in my career. Um, I've done build and grow work as a BPGM at Cardinal Health and then uh, uh, built and um, managed the pharmaceutical services division for U.S. Oncology. Um, so, um, and then after we sold U.S. Oncology uh, to McKesson, um, I um, became, uh, got into venture capital as a general partner and um, worked for well over a decade as a, a general partner, had some success on the VC side and uh, wanted to get back into operations. So um, had an opportunity to join telehealth uh, back in uh, June of 2020 as an executive chairman and uh, really liked the company, liked the management team, loved the founder, Wasim uh, Gannon. Dr. Gannon was, uh, has a big, big heart, big vision for quality care and closing gaps and access to care, particularly for the most vulnerable patients that are in skilled nursing facilities and in these uh, small rural account, uh, rural acute hospitals. And so it's just uh, just a good fit for me. It's, it's interesting that you, you were in VC and then you transitioned back into to operating. It seems like that happens and I'm sure, um, you know, a lot of, we, we lose a lot of great venture capitalists because they, they get the itch back and want to, uh, you know, or, or my guess is it never leaves, right? You just, it's a different mm -hmm. thing. It, it kind of focuses on, uh, you're, you're helping other people now build versus you building. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's probably why Tom Brady won't retire, right? And just doesn't want to be a coach. He, he does yeah. want to go and, and, and kind of drive the, the growth. And so it's, it's interesting that uh, you, you did that. I'd like to, to shift focus. So thank you for that great intro. Super helpful. Um, can we talk a little bit now about the, the company today, Telehealth Solution? Can you give us the, uh, I like to focus on three things, the why, how, what, and then we'll kind of go into some specific topics that you and I talked about that we want to dive into today. Yeah, so I think the why is that virtual healthcare, you know, telehealth, has traditionally been viewed as almost an alternative healthcare form, right? So in the skilled nursing environment, for many, many years, telehealth was a subscription-based model. We had you know, physicians who were on call. If a, um, a patient needed to be seen uh, at a time when the local medical director or the primary care physician was not available, you know, particularly nights and weekends, um, you know, we, we would get that call at the last minute to try to stabilize a patient to avoid an ER transfer. The, the why today is that virtual healthcare is real healthcare. You know, it's a technology-enabled provider services model, but it's still one provider taking care of one patient at a time. And so the beauty of what we're doing is that we believe that the care continuum for patients in skilled nursing facilities where you don't have generally a medical doctor on site 24 seven. And then in critical access hospitals, 25 beds or less, which are you know, very rural 
and then smaller rural hospitals, 100 beds or, left, or, or less. We believe that the care continuum should include virtual healthcare as a true point of care. We're reliable, we're predictable. And so we still are the same type of provider coverage as your providers are on the ground, but because we enter into the building or the hospital through a digital doorway, it allows us to move through time and space very efficiently. So, you know, we're generally, uh, after we receive a page, it's less than five minutes before we're having that encounter with the patient. Most of the time it's less than two. So, so that's the why, because there is, there is a need for care, you know, when patients uh, are at the beginning of an episodic spiral, not at, you know, some level of maximum acuity where we're trying to manage a patient in a way that if we had gotten to touch the patient hours earlier, we could have avoided that ER transfer, but more importantly, we could have treated the patient in place, which is better for the patient, better for their families, you know, and so overall we're increasing, improving the, the quality of care. But at the same time, by doing good with that increased quality of care, we can help the nursing, the skilled nursing facilities and these acute care hospitals do well financially. It's interesting, you know, when I first started this podcast, their focus wasn't just on like digital health and like specifically telehealth, but it seems like that's where the majority of the, in, the, the innovation is coming from. So, you know, it's, it's uh, a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak with guests like you that are really continuing to, uh, you know, add to the innovation in this space and, and make it a better experience for, for all parties, right? I think ultimately when a solution, whether directly or indirectly can touch the patients, the providers, these other healthcare organizations, that's when you know you're really onto something. So uh, I'd be interested in kind of now shifting focus after that great why, how, what, uh, so to speak. Uh, could we talk about a little bit about how utilizing digital doorways, in your opinion, provides a new level of collaborative and integrative care? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, particularly where, you know, you're in in rural populations or rural environments where you just don't have the density of provider coverage, there is definitely um, a gap in access to care on a predictable basis, right? And so what the digital doorway does and what we're trying to build at telehealth, we're in our, you know, we initially started out with hospitalists to provide, you know, um, general practice type coverage for patients and, you know, the, the post-acute space and the rural acute space. But today we're beginning to work on layering in behavioral health, cardiology, neurology. And so the ability for us to use that digital doorway to bring providers that could never be seen in person in these markets, now to the bedside of that patient in a treatment environment that is very similar uh, as, as if they were you know, in the physician's office, that's a that's a huge not only innovation, but it's it's solving a problem for patients in these communities that want to, you know, stay where they live, work, and play. They want to receive their health care in the communities where they live, and so we see this as closing a gap and providing a higher quality of patient care and, and in some respects a higher quality of life for these patients. And then we benefit in the partnerships that we're in with the um, um, acute facilities and the skilled nursing facilities. What do you think needs to happen, I guess, from 
just an overall continued adoption from, from society, but also from a regulatory perspective to continue pushing this yeah. forward, right? I think the pandemic gave us, a, it was definitely a, accelerated things a little bit as far as digital health is concerned. But I'd be curious about, you know, what what might be some roadblocks in the on those two areas, right? Overall adoption and then the regulatory, uh, anything regulatory that could uh, stop it from growing at the speed that it can. Yeah. So, uh, you know, um, regulatory, I'll start there. You know, in order for this to continue to scale, you know, virtual healthcare, you know, you've got to have the right CPT codes. You've got to have virtual healthcare recognized as real healthcare and that the value that's being delivered for the patient is uh, worth the amount of payment being provided to the, uh, to the provider. You know, I, I mentioned early on that, you know, our original model was very subscription-based, not a lot of fee-for-service, right? Today, we do a lot of fee-for-service. And the, 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 you know, the directional pathway of our company from um, a revenue perspective is going to be built around fee-for-service revenue. And we love that because fee-for-service revenue allows us to collect the data that allows us to demonstrate to a client and their patients that we're actually providing value. And so we're a, we're a data-driven um, company. You know, we think data allows us to um, better um, manage the behaviors that are required for us to deliver you know, premium healthcare, healthcare from a quality perspective. And then it gives our clients the ability to, to, to demonstrate you know, in their own shops the, the value of virtual healthcare. So, so I think regulatory, you've got to have continued uh, payment for virtual healthcare. And it's got to be recognized as a real point of care. A, a real point of care, not an alternative, not a safety net, but a real point of care. And then I think the data-driven approach where we're able to demonstrate clinical data uh, that shows that we're delivering a product from a healthcare perspective that is at least equal to, if not better, than what happens when you, you know, from a physical provider uh, having to come into the building after being paged, you know, three hours earlier or two hours earlier or an hour earlier. Um, we, we think that those data will uh, help demonstrate the viability of uh, virtual healthcare as a real point of care. We, we don't want to replace anyone. We think that the providers on the ground are incredibly important and uh, they're important not only to the patients that they serve, but their communities but there's not a deep density of providers in these small communities. And so we, we think we become, you know, an enabling component for these providers as well. So we can, that care continuum is very important to us. We don't want to replace anyone, but what we do want to be able to do is to, to close a gap in access to care for patients at the beginning of an episodic cycle, rather than, you know, hours after the episodic downward cycle has begun. So, so, you know, I think regulatory encoding and payments and then data that demonstrates the value are gonna be critically important. You know, the, the barrier is that, you know, this is a technology enabled, you know, uh, service. You know, our providers can't get to the patient with, unless they go through that digital doorway. So, you know, great, uh, Wi-Fi coverage, you know, in, in these small markets is, is a necessary component. 
5G is going to help that a lot. Um, but we've got to have good bandwidth to be able to do high quality video encounters with these patients. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things on those two fronts continue to, you know, move forward. Um, I think, you know, as far as society goes, there there might be more adopt regulatory. You never know what to you, you can you can kind of guess right what's going to happen and and follow it, but you never know. They could come out tomorrow and put something out that's great for the industry or something that's really bad. So hopefully it's good, but you you never know. Um, well, the data the data on utilization during the COVID era, you know, during the COVID period. I mean, it's unbelievable how patients adopted and across all age spectrums. So, so I think virtual healthcare is, you know, something that people recognize as being a valuable healthcare model. So I, I think that's going to be here to stay. And, and as a function of that, and because of the quality outcomes and data-driven, you know, um, uh, validation, I think we're going to continue to see regulatory. Uh, payment and you know we're, there'll be stronger compliance standards on you know patient health information and HIPAA and other things, but you know we welcome that as well. So because we think that's important. I think there's two there's there's a couple you know there's there's really great companies in this space. I'm, I am worried about you know and and you were on the VC side, so you've seen this. There's been a lot of funding into companies that I, I follow telehealth very closely. Um, not going to name any names, but it's like mind boggling. Like there's, especially in a certain space, like there's some spaces within this digital health, like mental health. I could see lots of lots of players in that just because it's kind of, uh, you know, there's geographic focus, there's different parts of mental health and, and even, even parts on the, the non-mental health areas. But there's a lot of me too's huh, out, out there too. And it'll be interesting to see, are they going to get gobbled up or are they just going to get thrown by the, the wayside? So I would say that um, there will be a number of, you know, smaller companies that find a niche and can, you know, try to hold on to it with, you know, um, a very finite group of um, patients that they serve or facilities that they serve. Uh, but in, you know, really in order to win at, at, and, and do it well, scale is a, is a, you know, important component. And this is a hard business. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I still think we're, we're pretty early, right? So we'll see what yep. happens. Um, before we start to wrap up, another quick question for you. And this one's really great because I was in the healthcare staffing side of things for a while. And this was always, I used to always look at the stats that like the World Health Organization and some other organizations would put out, not just for the US, but globally. It's a, it's a crazy, the shortage of healthcare professionals across the board, not just physicians, but just every type of healthcare professional, how we're going to be short and we're continuing to be short over the next couple of years and beyond. Uh, how can telehealth services help compensate for that shortage? Yeah, again, I think it allows us, you know, the shortages by and large, even though they're, they're um, occurring in metropolitan areas, you know, if you really look at where the, the, the deepest depth of the shortages are, they're in these underserved smaller rural communities. And so for us, that's, that's a high, high concentration of our um, sales efforts. And those are, the mark, those are the communities we wanna serve. So we think that the digital doorway will allow us to not only do 
you know, medical doctor provider services, right? But we can also, we do a lot of work today with nurse practitioners. And we think that, you know, staffing with an RN is, is, is part of something that we will be looking at as we build out our product roadmap going forward. So we think we can, we can transport high quality nurses, nurse practitioners, doctors, behavioral health professionals through the digital doorway from where they want to live and work, but to these underserved communities where the demand for these services is so high. So I, I think virtual healthcare is, is a requirement in many respects for that you know, expanded access to this type of quality multi-specialty care. I think, I think that's where it's gonna come from. Well, let's hope it continues to help with the shortage and, and also just continuing to accelerate our, our healthcare structure forward. Um, yep. I want to thank you so much, Bob, for, for joining me on the podcast today. Hopefully we can have you on again soon to talk about some other topics, but uh, really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, I'd love it, Jared. And, and thank you very much. I really enjoyed this. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.